Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello and welcome to a Water Night, part of the 90 Min Podcast Network, where we talk all things Tottenham Hotspur. But today, Jude Summerfield, we are not talking about modern Spurs, because that's too depressing. No, we, we wouldn't dare. Um, Sally, the, the listeners of What a Night, <laughs> modern Tottenham Hotspur content. So um, I think we've done the exact right thing and are taking a very Milan-heavy approach this week. Mm. Which, um, I think know, it's a business decision, with, you know. It? it is a business decision. Yeah. It's a business decision. Every, we jumped on the end of the Kane loving last week when everyone's consuming that content. Yes, and there's going to be enough negativity in the world. We don't want to bring more negativity to the world, do we, Jude? No, we don't. Um, yeah, it wasn't a great Saturday, but we, we've all seen the game, I'm sure. We all saw the highlights. I've all seen the related fallout yeah. over the last few days as well. Um, <laughs> So yeah, back when Spurs are in Champions League last 16, playing Milan in 2010-11, um, the world was a very different place, wasn't a it? A simpler time. Have, have we got any sort of like, um, you know, Freddos were only 2p or anything? Any <laughs> like that, we can <laughs> we can roll out. Was it too this recent? Re- yeah, this re- we should have done that. Yeah, we should have thought about that. God, yeah. really good conversion rate. I'll think about that for future episodes. Yeah, that's why you got, you were the ideas, man, dude. You see, I'm really not. You write them all down, and that's pretty much how it goes. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, the only comparison you know I can really make is you know, ten, twelve years ago, I was a spotty kid in school, so <laughs> that's, that's well I remember. you and me both. Mm. Yeah, so um, if you haven't figured out already, today we're just going to be reviewing um, when Spurs beat Milan at San Siro in February 2011, um, reliving that game. Me and Judith both watched the game back. Um, really kind of interesting to kind of see how football has kind of evolved since then. I, think, I don't know about YouTube, but when I watch like these old games and get prepared to do this kind of stuff, it's always kind of like a marvel seeing how direct the game can be sometimes like mm-hmm. the defenders don't keep the ball for long at all and it's just completely different to well if you think about the weekend it was like we're playing a slingshot back three there's no there was none of that going on no it, it seems like there's you know not that each player does have so much time more time on the ball but it seems like there's more of an emphasis on each player to sort of like almost beat a player and get into space more so than there is now where everything's mm. a bit more more patient than that. I mean, from watching it back, I was looking at like Sadoff and yes, he had a number on him, put on him throughout the game. But like just in the little moments where he'd make space, it was just that was that's that's how I used to when I were, when we're hurting Spurs every now and again. But yeah, it's 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 a it was a wild time. They had a a, a Bartes impersonator in goal. I can't remember his name. <laughs> Christian Abiati. Abiati, that's the one. Yeah, he's a bit of a legend, isn't he? Though he was there for yonks. <laughs> he was. He was. Yeah, yeah. He was always like the, the backup to Dida, and Dida would always like, you know, every now and then Dida would have a flare thrown at him, so he'd have to come in for that. 
real high stakes scenarios. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, what were your kind of lasting memories of that first Champions League run? Because it wasn't. If you take the season as a whole, Spur, it wasn't like the most vintage domestically because we struggled to score as many goals as we used to before. Um, I think the teams maybe figured us out a little bit. The having played 0-9-10 without any European football, it was it was a bit tougher to kind of adjust. I know there was some really bad European hangovers. Like, do you remember when we beat Inter three one at home, and it was the that was the Gareth Bale game, mm-hmm. and then. We played, I think it was Saturday lunchtime away at Bolton, and the whole prelude was um, their right back Greta Steinson, who's now part of the, I believe, he's part of our recruitment team, some some kind of job upstairs at Spurs now. He was tasked with marking Bale, and he did that, and he scored, and Bolton won four two. It was just like mm. we really hadn't really figured out how to balance it yet. There were some real, real turgid games. I think, I think I saw somebody like um, screenshotting the game before. We played Milan the first time when they played. Did they play Blackpool and they got beat? That might have that might have been a thing, or maybe it got clipped up somewhere. Else. <laughs> that might, yeah, that might have been. Yeah, I feel like we we might have beaten. We beat Blackpool at the last day or close to it, but then we also we might have played them a bit earlier in the season. But anyway, I, I... no, we drew. Do you know? Do you, know, do you not remember that? No. Well, this this actually ties into what. It's a good time to what I'm going to talk about later. Um, so we drew it home to them. Defoe scored a last-minute equaliser. Oh, but that was a game where they had a pen. Gomez saved it. And then in the act of going to get the rebound, gave away another penalty. And they conceded oh, that penalty. And I think that was kind of the moment that Harry Redknapp knew, I need a new goalkeeper. I, <laughs> I, need, I need Brad. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm um, only for Brad. I mean, like going back to your going back to your question there. I mean, you said Bale, and the only thing that's my memory sort of failed me on is that Bale didn't play in this Milan game, which um, which yeah. is quite well because he's he's obviously the 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 main focus when looking back on that year. Um, just in those two breakout games he had against Inter, so that that was that was the one. You obviously had Stephen Pienaar playing instead. Um. But I, I mm. thought it was just a really wonderful, like um, eye opening, eye opening experience. Like they hadn't played in the Champions League before. Um, they had a load of really good. Well, you know, with their Bale and Modric, these sort of players who go on and um, have extraordinary careers elsewhere. But they're they're, they're also like Vedran Chorluka and Alan Hutton and Wilson Palacios and a few other fellas who are sort of more, you know, that there's. They're not at the same level. Mid-table sure. ballers? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But they, they were playing like um, you know, like above the above their level during the Champions League round. And it was um mm. I mean, apart from a few dodgy games against what I say, Werder Bremen and it was Young Boys the qualifier as well. I always remember the qualifier. Yeah, Young Boys was the qualifier. Really yeah. Yeah. That's that's quite a large memory because you know, you, you don't really forget the could Tottenham screw it up and you know at, at the at the earliest stage possible? It didn't look like they were going to do that because they were so far behind in that first leg already. Ended up being, I think, Harry Redknapp was like, "That was mm. a great defeat." It was a great defeat after the game, and then they turned it. Around. <laughs> I, think, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> ended up being a great defeat. Um, you yeah. know, you 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 need a bit of jeopardy to mess up a bit, don't you? I mean, because <laughs> you know the existential dread of. You're 3-0 down in the Champions League qualify after 30 minutes. You think we're going to go out of it before we're even in it. Mm. And then 
the the hero ends up being Bassam because that one goal back in the first half kind of forces young boys to kind of shut up shop a little bit. Yeah, Pavlochenko. Yeah, Pavlochenko stuck, get fires in the near post off um, near screen, the end of the it? second half. Yeah, and then we smash we smash it. It was yeah, it was pure it was Pav where time. no finesse about it. Just I'm going to hit the ball as hard as I can. Love it, love it. When that so, came off, it was great. It's just, yeah. it was just the pure it was Pav. just the consistency that was the only problem with him. Um, no, yeah, I mean, I, I he's not one of my favourite strikers, but when I, we talk, we know there's other people on our team at ninety men who probably remember him a bit more fondly than us because they didn't have to watch him every week. <laughs> he's a highlight. He he's got a good highlights package. They only remember the good times. Yeah, the girls were yeah yeah from free kicks for sure. He's a good highlights player. Um, but yeah, yeah. But yeah, it was just quite optimistic and nice around the time. Like they they were pulling out great, quite historical results, like beating Inter at home, European champions, the smacked them, gave them the runaround. Mm. Like there's lots of Spurs folklore and good good memories that came out of that campaign. So I think yeah, it was it was yeah. just very sad the way it came to end. <laughs> In that it was you know yeah they yeah set off at Real and then. Big clanger from Gomez in the second leg, but what can you do? Yeah, it is what it is. But I do remember um, when they did the last 16 draw, um, I remember being in the mindset then of, I don't want a big team, I want an easy team. I would like an easy ride. And then we got Milan, who were basically the hardest team left, and they <laughs> went on to win Serie A in this season. They um, they felt quite Real Madrid Galactico. I'll go over the starting lineup in a few minutes, but they had that kind of aura about them still going back to San Siro, a place that we'd nearly so nearly got battered at, if not for Gareth Bale. It just felt like, you know, they're not we're not getting any favours here. Um, and then Bale gets injured in the lead up to the first leg. He's out of it. Um, the starting lineup that from Spurs that night was um, Gomez and goal, a back four of veteran Chuluka, William Gallas, Michael Dawson, and Ben Asuakoto. Uh, Aaron Lennon, Wilson Palacios, Sandro and Stephen Pienaar in midfield and then Raphael van der Vaart playing off of Peter Crouch. Um, Luka Modric does play. He comes off the bench with about 30 minutes to go. But that's not that's not quite full strength for Tottenham, is it? No, it's it's not sort of the 11 I, uh, I, I remember a bit more fondly from those sort of years. Um, but yeah, it, it proved to be like a sort of springboard for a few of them anyway. Especially Sandro. I mean, he didn't really kick on the way we hope he would anyway. But yeah, going into a last 16 tie. I mean, the, the team that they're going to put out this year is probably going to be quite similar in terms of, you know, ravaged injuries and stuff like that. The midfielder, um, definitely, for sure. <laughs> yes, it's going to be exactly the same, unfortunately. Um, but uh, yeah, there are some still, like, I mean, looking at the, the, the game back, like, Choluk is a much more aggressive cross of the ball than I give credit for. <laughs> like, mm. I guess if you've got yeah, to get a yeah. in the box, the, the directive is quite clear, you know, stick it in the box and, you know, Crouch is at two feet on Yepa, so see if he can win it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was, yeah, it was some, I mean, the, the centre back seemed to change quite frequently from what I remember back then because they had Gallas, they had Dawson. Ledley King was obviously still playing as well. Yeah, we had a million injury prone centre backs, wasn't it? Yeah, that was the thing. So it was they, they were never too settled. Um, and then you obviously have Ben Warasu Okoto, the, the fellow who doesn't like playing football, playing left back, <laughs> which is always an interesting one. 
But yeah, it's, 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 it is a fascinating theory. You can sort of see how they managed to get success, like uh, especially on the count. I mean, that, that Milan team, you go over the names and it is scary. But, you know, there were some aging legs as well. <laughs> you're right, you're right. So the Milan starting line of that night was Christian Abiati in goal. He comes off after about 15 minutes with injury and we'll get into a bit why that was in a sec. Um, a back four of Ignacio Abate, Alessandro Nesta, Mario Yepes and Luca Antonini. Chago Silva was playing as the holding midfielder in like a kind of narrow diamond formation. Matthew Flamini and Gennaro Gattuso, the central midfielders. Clarence Sadoff in the 10 role. And then up front, Rubinho and Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Alexandra Pato comes off the bench for the second half. So, yeah, I think that my what I said earlier, it, just, it felt quite galactico These are big names. These are, in hindsight, names that probably should have been moved on maybe a, bit, a season or two earlier. Because it feels weird that you look at some of like someone like Modric, who's so associated with our generation now, sharing the pitch with guys like Nesta, um, Gattuso, Sadov. It just feels really weird that there's kind of this, this overlap. Yeah, it's a definite end of an era feel to that Milan team, isn't isn't there? Because there there are fellas in there who are playing in two thousands in the Champions League final, um, you know, losing to Liverpool and then winning. The next one, if you and they they were still playing three or four years later, having been at like the peak of their powers, maybe like early noughties. I mean, if you think about like Nesta and Sadoff and Gattuso, especially like they were well, they were long in the tooth at that point. They were not um, like they were Galacticy, but I, I, I mean Sadoff is an incredible player, but like Gattuso, I I'm, I'm sure he had like a bit of a shorter shelf life than a lot of other midfielders around, just because you know. His one main, yeah, <laughs> his one main uh, goal of each game was to just get stuck in. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, the Rubinho and the 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 Pato coming off the bench is pretty is pretty wild. I mean, Pato was around the he he had a very short sort of peak, so I can understand why he wasn't thrown in there. Um, and Ibra not getting as much sort of success against Galas and Dawson is really strange. Looking back at it in hindsight, because. He is mm, mm, mm. gone down as quite a good player over the years, I would say. And, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's quite I, I, a physical battle those two would have to go through, and then you know William Gallison had, had his best years as well. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I was um, one of the main takeaways that came from this match. I've done a kind of accompanying written piece for Ninety Million, and one of my main takeaways was. Gallas in these big games in this Champions League season was just phenomenal. Sometimes like, he really brought a calming influence. Um, he ends up playing this game at right back because Chalka goes off injured and we don't really have another right back in the squad. So he plays there. He does really well there. And it just, it was a kind of a shrewd pickup because we only made um, two summer signings before um, the Champions League campaign. If you can imagine that in the modern day, it wouldn't go down well. Um, barely goes down well anymore with six signings a window. So whatever. Um, but that came from... <laughs> exactly that, yeah. Um, Gallas came on a free from Arsenal. I, th- I do think that was quite late in the window. I want to say, like, it kind of he was sneakily looking around for another club, and I think he was training with us, and then he signed quite late. And then Van der Vaart on deadline day with about five minutes to go out of nowhere. Everyone kind of remembers just I certainly remember where I was. I remember just tuned into Sky Sports News, and they, they're about to go to, a, to the final ad break before the deadline. They're like, Spurs have made a late move to sign someone who just played in the World Cup final. And I'm just like thinking around, like, who the hell could it be? And they come back yeah. and they say Van der Vaart, and there's just this. This wonder because he didn't feel like a Spurs player. He feels like someone who'd probably play for Arsenal or something. Mm. Um, 
And he kind of, I think that as well kind of helped that Modric and Lennon, uh, not sorry, Modric and Bale, sorry, were misses from the off in this game because, um, because of the technical quality, but having a name like Van der Vaart, someone who's been there and done it, is a bit more kind of assuring. And we actually did start pretty well. Like, um, first 15 minutes or so, we'll give him a right, but um, not, not like a battering, but making life really difficult. And I can imagine that in a time where social media was way, way less prevalent, Milan fans probably don't know too much about Spurs apart from the two games against Inter. Mm-hmm. They're probably thinking without Bale, there's like, well, there's actually something here because Abiati, the goalkeeper, has to go off injured because he just, he comes for one cross too many. He just gets, he's in the wars a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it was the Spurs team that started pretty quickly, wasn't it? I mean, we don't get to say that too much these days, do we, Sean? Sorry, I keep making it. Um, <laughs> True, actually, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just you know, opposite ends of the spectrum, unfortunately. Um, mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah, they start. They started really, really, really well. The, the Abiati guy getting injured is is quite funny, and in, in in that you know he's second string already. Um, and then it was the, I, I can't I can't I didn't see the name on the on the on the. On the game that I watched early, unfortunately. Well, the goal came on. <laughs> yeah, I, can't remember. I, I don't remember the third Marco choice. Emilia. Marco Emilia, I see. Right, yeah. He looked quite... Um, That's a real pub quiz question. Yeah, he is. Well, one, one that you'd nailed, I'm sure. But um, he he looked nervy when he came on. <laughs> like, waving mm, to the mm. to the crowd and all that sort of he stuff. He did not want to be there. No, I don't think he did. Like, wait, really, really early in the piece as well. Um, but yeah, it was like early 15, 20 minutes. You, you sort of see Palacios is really getting into his work and not letting any of those midfielders settle. Like, uh, I think there's one sort of passage where he's sort of hunting down Sadoff and he gets into the, the, the touchline, but the halfway line in the end, eventually brings up, brings away mm. a foul, but it's sort of like, that's the tempo they're going to try and play for, for most of the, um, most of the game. And I, I sort of forgot from from watching how good Wilson Palacios was, to be fair, because like the the main takeaway in my yeah. head is has always just been like it, it's the Sandro game, really. If you know, if you know what I mean, like mm. I mean the, the two ties, really, just because he was because he was someone who like for me came out of nowhere a little bit, and then suddenly he was starting in the Champions League, and I, I didn't know too much about him, but he was just the perfect player to have in there. You know, he was still young, combative. Was really good at reading the game, and um, like quite surprising that they they got Spurs off to that good a start. Really, just didn't really let Milan settle. And it wasn't really until like 20, 25 minutes, I think, that Milan properly start going forward and start looking a bit dangerous. Like they're completely penned in in the first twenty, from what I from what I saw. Just credit to the Spurs mm. boys, you know. It is. It is. I mean, um, I think you're right. The first chance that Milan really get is. Uh, I think Ibrahimovic pulls away to the left and he puts in a low cross and Gallas clears it. I think that's as close as they come in the first half. They have a, a couple of shots from distance they go way over and it's, that was basically it. And for a team that went on to win the league, they didn't really provide a lot. When you look at the star names, they didn't, they didn't provide a lot. Sadov gets hooked at half-time and Pato comes on just to get another forward in there. Um, it was just a really kind of weird first half that... Like I said, you can't imagine that Milan would have known too much. And you think when Marco, like we just said, Marco Emilia comes on, he doesn't really want to be in this game. 
because Spurs is, I don't want to say that we were a long ball team, but I think we knew how to use a six foot seven striker yes. to our advantage. Yes. And, I th- and I think the problem was that in this season, Crouch's record in the Champions League was better than his Premier League one, which makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> um, and when Rennap brings in an Adebayor a year later, and he's like kind of the perfect upgrade in that sense. But Crouch had his uses. Crouch at least did have experience as well. He's a really well-liked guy. He had good relationships with um, our forward players like Van der Vaart, like Lennon. And that really kind of unsettled Milan, who needed to make that change at halftime to really just find a spark from somewhere. Yeah. yeah I mean, Van der Vaart and Crouch are essentially like a big man, a little, little man acts like, I, I know Van der Vaart mm, was more of, a, mm. more of a attacking middle or whatever, but, or, you know, by definition, but like when he played at Spurs, he was essentially another striker almost like he would, he would you know, drop into the play and, and play passes and stuff like that, but he was always looking to get on on Crouch's scraps, essentially, wasn't he? Like he was, that's how he scored goals as well. That's how he like, because he he came in and he just he he clicked really quickly with the whole Spurs team, didn't he? he? Like he was scoring goals straight from the off. He was having an impact in big games, um, and he was scoring in the Champions League, which is always always a big fun as well. Um, but yeah, I, I look back on those seasons <laughs> season stats for Peter Crouch, and it's quite yeah. Is quite something. Did he? He ends up with like maybe four or five goals in the Prem and about six in the Champions League, right? Four, yeah, four in thirty-four Prem games and then seven in ten Champions League games. It just makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> Which is just wild. Yeah, a special player, I tell you that. Yeah, <laughs> big game player. Really big game. It's like you know, you know, when Chelsea fans talk about Didier Drogba, that's what like kind of the rival fans think that he's actually done. That's what that's what they think has happened <laughs> in his in his season. Um, I don't. Th- I don't think he's ever missed it, but I do reckon that there might have been a sense of jealousy from on Jermaine Defoe's part that kind of Van der Vaart took his spot in the starting eleven. I know. I think Defoe had a couple of injury problems this year, but it made more sense to play Van der Vaart with Crouch than Van der Vaart with Defoe for how he wanted to play, and it was hard for Defoe because Defoe had he's got. He's, I think he was like the fourth or fifth top scorer in the league the season before. Got a um, uh, career high eighteen goals in the Prem. And I think he only scored. I think he scored about the same amount of crouch in the league, playing in much fewer games. But it wasn't a great year for him. It was kind of the start of becoming the super sub, than the main guy. Yeah, um, I'd say that's actually quite sad, to be honest. Like Jermaine Defoe being so synonymous with Spurs, but I, I don't really know how many Champions League moments he got to have with Spurs. That's a bit, it's a bit of a shame, really. I think he did. He did score in like he's, he's, he's got he's... here or there, but. Mm. He got in the. We drew three three with Twente on the last match day, and that kind of that helped us finish top. Yeah. So he got something. Yeah, he got something. But like, yeah, when, when I think when I think about this this particular season, I, I think about Pavlyuchenko and Crouch in the Champions League. I think it's probably because those are the guys that scored against Inter. Mm. So memories a little bit skewed there. Yeah, yeah. It would, it, yeah, it, yeah. Just just as a nostalgia, romantic, you know, it would be nice if he had if the third played a bit more in those Champions. League knockout games, but ho hum. What can you do? We've still got some pretty sweet memories out of it, anyway. Still a legend, regardless. Still a legend. Still an absolute legend. Yeah. Do you see? Just a little tangent. He was at the him and Dawson at the WSL game yesterday. Spurs versus Man United. Did see that? Yeah. That's quite cool. Oh man. Oh, yeah, it's a little nice. Tough result, but that Beth England goal was something else. I know. Oh, a beautiful goal! Oh, I couldn't believe it. 
Yeah. <laughs> We're in a real tangent. <laughs> this isn't the land, but yeah, you should go and look it up if you haven't seen it because it was an absolutely wonderful strike. Yeah, really, really good goal. Yeah. So anyway, back to Milan. That's our that's our half time break. Um so Milan come out for the second half. Pato comes on for, for Sadorf, who was doing nothing really, apart from getting pocketed by Palacios. Um it just kind of makes them a bit more kind of dynamic. He's occupying different spaces, he's way, way more mobile than Sadorf. And for the first 15 minutes, um it becomes a war, not least because uh Milan start realizing. Hey, we can cross ourselves. We have our own six foot five striker. Um, and then the one of the defining moments of this time, the one that everyone remembers, is Flamini goes in two footed, studs up high on Choluca, which forces him off through with a foot injury, an anchor injury. And then in the aftermath, Gattuso squares up to Joe Jordan, possibly one of the hardest men who's ever lived. <laughs> and it really, like, so all of a sudden, Santiago becomes this kind of this this cauldron, this um, coliseum. And Spurs are back, Spurs back to up against the wall a little bit. Yeah, I mean, proper blood and thunder of the Champions League, wasn't it? Um, this is proper introduction. This is like yeah, this... you're not having your own way. The, the big teams are going to come and rattle you up like this. Yeah, star names are going to start getting in amongst you, and you know, a big old crowd like that is must be horrible to play in front of. Jesus, um, and like for for a lot of those Spurs players, it's yeah, like you say, it's just such an early introduction to. Those sort of atmospheres. I mean, like all things considering, like that. I think there's one save in particular from Gomez. I, I, I think it's from Yepes where he gets the flick on the header. And like, mm, it's, yes, it's proper, yeah. I, I, love, oh, I love the save because it's a proper like old school, old man waddling sort of save. You know, it's sort of like, oh, I've got to readjust it. I've got to go. And then maybe eventually the leg sprawls. Yeah, the corner and tips it wide. Yeah, it's absolutely yeah. fabulous save. Um, and like he was about as moments as you can get with Spurs as as a player because they were of good and bad and yeah. you know never too far away. <laughs> uh, but like yeah, he had an absolute stormer. I don't I don't in a, in a, in a game where um like you need you need your keeper to be quite authoritative with like attackers like mm. Ibrahimovic on the pitch when Pato's getting a little little more space and balls are coming into the. The box a bit more, I, you know. His, his twitchiness sort of helped in that regard because you know, he was always on alert to make the save, <laughs> which was great. Um, yeah, yeah. The thing with Gomez was he. There was like a one and a half year period where the some of the saves that he would make, like proper top corner. The, the one that you were talking about was kind of yeah, he had to readjust himself. But there's another one from either Yepes or Ibrahimovic where he, it's going right in the top corner. He goes up and he. Just claws it away, mm. and he was capable of doing that. And I think, if, do you remember? Like that's kind of what he did to us. And that's, I, I assume, that this was part yeah. of the old recruitment systems method of signing him because we oh. played PSV in the two thousand seven and 08 UEFA Cup. They knocked us out on pens, but he was incredible over those two legs. I remember when we first um, were linked to him and then signed him. I was just like. Oh my god, we've signed the best keeper in the world. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, it was because he had games like this, like he would just pull them out every now and then. I think one of the other points was was in the previous season, which helped us get Champions League. Um, I forced uh, our first North London derby whenever Arsenal in um, years in the Premier League. He made two or three saves for Van Persie, Bentner, and those guys mm. at White Hart Lane, and it just 
why couldn't he do that all the time? Why did he have to? <laughs> there is a compilation on YouTube, one of my favorite of all time, and it's called The Worst of Heredio Gomez. And the um, and the description is what a truly terrible goalkeeper, and I am a Spurs fan. <laughs> and it's it's very, very I don't like no offense to the guy, but I recommend looking up because it's there's some good times in there. I can promise you that. Um, but he, I've never known a goalkeeper that I've never known a goalkeeper capable of such where his ceiling is so high and his floor is so low. But in these 15 <laughs> minutes, he was the best player on the pitch and he needed to be. Yes, thank God he was. Because, uh, yeah, there, there were games where he'd, you know, keep out three certain goals and then just chuck one into his own net. He was good and solid. For well, Rebel just- Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The next round. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. You know, that's 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 something else for Spurs canon. Um, but yeah, hopefully when, yeah. We do our, when, we do big, <laughs> when we do our big reminisce about the PSV tie, I'm sure we'll get them in a European competition. Soon enough, but we'll go over that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so Spurs managed to weather this 15 minutes or so. They bring on Woodgate comes on for Chaluka. Galas, as I said, goes to right back, and then soon after, Modric comes on for Van der Vaart because famously Van der Vaart was a very unfit player and can only play 60 minutes at a time. But that's the kind that was the kind of um, calming influence that Spurs needed. There was some more experience in terms of bringing Woodgate in. And then with Modric, just as we know now, one of the very best midfielders who've ever played the game. This was perfect for him. And I think he, if the 30 minutes or so he plays on the pitch, like just everything is under his control. And uh, really, this should be kind of mentioned a bit more in terms of where his career kind of goes. Because you imagine that if someone from Real Madrid was watching this game, you'd think, yeah, this guy is legit. We need to pursue him. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of wild just to like sit here and we we know what makes Luka Modric so good in one day or, you know, what's made him like Ballon d'Or winner worthy in the last few years. Um, But it was like, it was all of it in like a little microcosm of a 30 minute display for Spurs. Um, And everything, everything loose that sort of came into his vicinity, he was just picking up and um, he was sort of that ball player that Spurs didn't quite have in the first hour to actually get them moving the other way. Um, you know, a, a little more sharper than Van der Vaart, for sure. Um, and then he's yeah. involved in, he, yeah, he's, he ends up being involved in the goal, doesn't he? Um, I think, just, just sort of nice. briefly at the start. Um, but yeah, it's like, <laughs> could you imagine if we had someone of the quality of Luka Modric to be on now for a game at the Lambs? <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, unless unless we're sleeping Conte looks at his bench like oh, I might as well bring Modric on <laughs> yeah. can you make a few calls Daniel please please yeah but the, the whole team just becomes so much more calmed and um, Spurs sort of maybe, maybe seize the initiatives a little little strong but you start thinking well they start thinking you know there's something here that they can go and, they can go and pinch a guard mm. That's yeah, what they do, which is yeah, 
Well, yeah. It's beautiful, isn't it? It's beautiful. Yeah, really because the Stinger, you're right, the Stinger's taken out of the game. Um, Cranchar replaces Stephen Pienaar, who did like a really good defensive shift this game. He kind of, he started on the left in place of Bale. He come, he tucked inside a lot to kind of um, help Sandro and Palacios and kind of create those overloads. Um, doubled up with um, Asuakoto on Abate, who like for years was one of the quickest right backs in Europe. Um, he played really well. Cranchar comes on. There's a bit more kind of technical excellence there. And while Milan are still kind of up the pitch um, when they're attacking a set piece, Modric and Cranchar play out of trouble and they release Aaron Lennon, who runs 60 yards. And this is this feels like kind of the defining moment of Aaron Lennon's career where we all knew he was a great kind of touchline winger. He didn't really get enough goal contributions for how good he looked particularly in his earlier years but mm. there was no one better in this big moment to carry that ball up the pitch keeps going beats a couple men jumps over Mario Yepes who was kind of struggling to deal with him all game long and cuts it back and the thing I don't realize about Crouch's finish is it's not a tapping he needs to he drags it but he needs to drag it because he's still quite some way out mm. Yeah, and like the keeper's pretty much on top of them already. It's like I, I, I sort of look back at it and always end up thinking he scuffs it, but it's much more of a deliberate finish than it actually looks at the time. It just putting it in the like corner. Yeah, it just sort of looks like he's sweeping it in on a counter, and that the keeper's been committed. But it's actually a lot more work to do, really. Um, that that Lennon run is is ridiculous. I would have loved to have seen that sort of play in particular more from just because like, he's he, he's he was like the yeah. The epitome of a touchline winger, so like he never really came into those central areas too quickly, but he identified that it was like an, an opportunity, an opportunistic moment to do that. With you know, Milan had pushed so high up the pitch by that point. You look at the highlight for that goal, and it's just the centre backs. I swear, and it's just it's just Lennon being like, <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, I'm gonna do this. I've got pace on both of these jobbers. I can just knock the ball past them and go around and <laughs> square crouch, which is yeah. just like. It's, it, it it seems evasive, but it's just one. It's just a wonderful bit of like almost in game management, really. You're just going like, right, I'm I'm pacey. Mm. I can we can we can nick it quickly here, and I can just set us off. And like it's yeah. an iconic goal. It's such an iconic goal now for Spurs. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm like glad Lennon got his got his Champions League moment as well, because uh, he'll forever be associated with that now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's the 80th minute as well. That he's running a full sprint all the way across the pitch. That's really impressive. You don't think Rafa would have been doing that? Don't think Van der Vaart would have been busting the gut? No chance. I don't think Rafa's doing that in the first minute. No. No, a nice gentle press. He's not. He's not got those minerals, you know. <laughs> no. No. That's <laughs> very kind. <laughs> yeah. You guys. You guys do. I'll stand over here. <laughs> um, I'll just sit in the pocket. Yeah, yeah, but I think was it, we opened with some of the things that we kind of noticed were different about the game back then. The other thing that I noticed was that this was back in the day when you only had three subs. Okay, quite standard. But Max Allegri, who has since grown a reputation as one of the best kind of managers in when it comes to kind of taking teams deep into the Champions League, doesn't make a change. I don't know what kind of change he could have made, but Milan go 1-0 down. All of a sudden, they are 
off the rails in this tie because the way goal rule is still active as well. Um, Spurs had won every home Champions League tie that they played to this point, pretty much smashing everyone who came there as well. Um, he changes nothing, and Milan do nothing until the 94th minute, where there's a scramble in the box, and Ibrahimovic scores a pretty kind of really technically gifted overhead kick, like real kind of grace about it. But the ref's whistle was already gone for he sh- shoved Michael Dawson lightly. And the goal's chalked off. There's actually not much um on-field debate about it. I actually thought it was a little bit soft. I get I think it is the correct decision. I, I'd be annoyed if it wasn't given, but there wasn't too much debate about it. But I remember at the time, like my heart sank. And even though I realized we got away with it, it's it was like still kind of in that sunken place because it's like that was so close. Don't do that. Like, almost <laughs> a real, a real kind of like scary that. moment, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I think it would have counted in the it would, the referee's decision would have been upheld in the modern day now because he in the VAR era. Yeah, mm. and I don't think there would have been anything clear and obvious to overturn that. Um, but you know, when in Europe, you've got to do the play acting and Michael Dawson. I don't really think he's that associated with that sort of thing, really. But you know, go down win the <laughs> win the cheap free kick in the ninety fourth minute of San Siro, please. <laughs> That's absolutely the right do, way to go about it. Do you think Michael Dawson would analyze that? <laughs> Dawson analyzing that in the modern day would be like that's a that's a disgrace. <laughs> no, he'd be like, oh, that's bloody fantastic. That is, that's what he'd say. <laughs> and so, yeah, um, Spurs escape with a one nil win, a deserved one nil win, I'd say. I think on the balance of the ninety minutes, even that the the late Abraham Rich stuff, I still think that we were the better team. I think we deserve to go back to White Lane with a one goal advantage. Um, and the thing that really amused me was the stream that I used to watch back this game on had Russian commentary and when the full-time whistle went the commentator just goes bravo Tottenham bravo Redknapp and that was like <laughs> that's so weird I just I being so weirded out by <laughs> but that was the impression that Spurs gave and Redknapp gave across Europe so it's nice to know that we we're getting credit for this stuff yeah that Spurs were being appreciated for their continental flavour mm. you know? Bringing their brand mm, of football bravo. to the world. Bravo. Bravo, Tottenham Hotspur. Yeah, bravo. <laughs> yeah. Bravo, we love you. So... I'm just trying to explain that the concept of a wheeler dealer to someone in Europe. Someone in Europe. <laughs> try, try to explain the clip of Redknapp shoving the reporter away, saying, I'm not a fucking wheeler dealer. Oh, no, I think if you just pulled up uh, a picture of Fabio Paratici, they'd, they'd get a good idea of what a wheeler, wheeler dealer is. But, yeah. 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 Before well, before we go on to the players, I do think that Redknapp does deserve credit for the Champions League one in terms of he kind of gets... He's not a master tactician, but the the way that Spurs played in these big games, um, the way that they went toe-to-toe with everyone, they played without fear, they played with real confidence that's down to him and that's down to there's probably either this season or the um, season after in the 11-12 season probably the most gifted set of players he'd ever had in his career and he made the most of them really well, he, he he handled them all really well didn't he I remember him his mm. his, his, his approach was always really just um, you know if you've got as many happy players as possible then you'll get good performances from them and it was you know I don't think he was ever telling like Bale or Modric how, like how to play when they got out on the pitch. It was just sort of like 
you're, you're yeah. as you're as good as you you can be and you know you should just go and go out there and smash it um but but i mean like pick the the exact right team for like having injury issues and fitness knocks mm. and stuff like that you pick the right team to get a really good performance and a really good result so like uh, I, I do think throughout the, that sort of Champions League run Spurs were leaning on you know individual moments from individual players at points but I think it all that all sort of comes from the the approach that Redknapp was taking in the first place you know just trying to get the best out of them as a squad um, and you know it, it, it resulted in some pretty fast football and entertaining football you know, it was all about getting the ball in the box and you know feeding crowds and stuff like that. And you you've always got a chance with that sort of football. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you land like Allegri's look at the scouting report, and he's just like, "How are we going to do about this six foot seven guy?" <laughs> it's Louis Van Gaal's absolute nightmare, I swear, because he'd just be going, "Oh no, <laughs> oh, here it comes again." <laughs> Uh, you go and give that to Big Max, and you <laughs> you say how many long balls we played. Uh, I'm sorry, I just love Louis Van Gaal. Yeah. Long ball, the long ball. Well. I have the piece of paper, yeah. and you give it, it to good. Big Sam. <laughs> that's what. Yeah, that's what very good. Okay, so if you could only pick one player of the match, Jude. And my four candidates are Aaron Lennon, Peter Crouch, Sandro, and Wilson Plasios. Who would you give it to? Um, I'm, I'm yeah. I mean, my my memory is still telling me to say Sandro, even though I think Sandro is was even better in the first, uh, the second leg. Sorry, um, but I I think I'm just gonna have to trust my brain and telling me that he was the best player on on the night. I mean, certainly from what I remember. Um, like he was one of the main reasons why Milan couldn't get any sort of attacking game going, just because he was winning everything in midfield. He was obviously joined by Palacios and doing that. But yeah, I I think I'll, I'll I think I'll just settle for Sandro on that one, and not go too too controversial. Although the other three were, I mean, all the players to a T were pretty much like faultless. Um, yeah, yeah Sandro. I think Sandro just because I fell in love with him a little bit. During those two games, and I was like, "This boy is yeah, is something else. Like he could be like I'll I'll see the end for like ten years." Obviously, didn't quite you know turn out like that, which is a massive, massive shame. I genuinely <laughs> yeah. think like one of the more sort of low key, you know, quite bad sliding doors moments for Spurs. Because if 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 Sandro like develops to the player like he showed in these couple of games. Spurs just have like one of the best CMs in the world for like ten years, and that's tough. You know? Yeah, it was so good in these games. Um, so yeah, I, I'd go for Sandro. I think. Um, yeah, pre pre knee injury, Sandro was incredible, and it really scares me because you think about the history of Tottenham central midfielders who get knee injuries, and you think about the one that's just got a knee injury now, and you just think, please, dear God, don't go down that same route. Um, yes, but. Yes. Yeah, Sandro, particularly under Redknapp, was utterly unbelievable. Um, I think he probably should have played more in the 11-12 season. I know Parker got our Player of the Year award, but it felt like he was kind of blocking what Sandro could have been. And Sandro and Modric, whenever the, the short games they did play together were unbeatable as a pair. Start of the season after when he went for Dembele, that was almost like the perfect part for Dembele as well. Gets that knee injury, doesn't he's never the same again. 
hops around a few places. He, go, he lands back at QPR, West Brom. Follows me on Twitter, actually. But he hasn't tweeted in about six years. That's a shame. That's a shame. Spurs had a bit of a moment of just letting all these lads score against them when they joined teams, like jobbing teams like QPR. I'm pretty sure we played them and like Kane scored twice in 14-15 <laughs> and Sandro scored or something like that. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that happened. It's just like... Was it Sandro who scored for them that game? Maybe, maybe. Maybe. I feel like... Yeah. I know. I, need, I, got, I got to check. I got to, I got to check. I got to check. I need to know. Because if it is him, I don't know the fact that I've lost that from my memory is insane. <laughs> it is Sandro, Jesus Christ. Oh right? my it's god. It's strange, isn't it? Like, why on earth is even an That's, yeah. Why did I, why did I remember <laughs> that? And why has he scored? <laughs> I'm trying to, like, it was an odd game. I can't really remember it at all, but yeah. Uh, well, ironically, that was just after Redknapp had left QPR. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, odd, odd sort uh, of Yeah. Real, yeah. Real sliding doors there. Imagine telling them if uh, great results tonight, guys. In four years, you're at QPR and you're going down. They're like, what? <laughs> oh, this isn't the launching pad for my career. Hey, I thought football changes so quickly. Here. Yeah, <laughs> it really does. Yeah, real, real shame. Yeah. Okay. Um, who would you say that, that their career peaked in this game? Because I think, I think definitely Wilson Palacios. I think this was the highlight of Wilson Palacios' career. Mm. Sandro, you could you could definitely make the case, but I think he was he was better for a prolonged period. That and he was better in the home leg, I think as well. That that's kind of where he peaked. Yeah. But anyone else really? I think it's tricky one. There is a case for Gomez, but I think that he, that stretch at the end of oh nine ten was that was his peak. Yeah, he was very good in that in that sort of spell. The rest of them, yeah. I mean, Palacios is probably the obvious one, I'd imagine, just because. Um, I mean, Spurs was about as good as it got in his career. Really. I can't remember any, any other particular game about Wilson Palacios ever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that that would that probably would be the main one. And then I don't know. I mean, I I can't really associate Benoit Lasuricato with too many like era defining games. <laughs> uh, William, William Gallas probably played in a few more bigger ones. You'd argue for the other London teams. Oh, Pinar maybe. Maybe, yeah, maybe Pina, yeah. If, you know, a career-defining game is tucking in at the back and <laughs> helping your full-back just absolutely dominate the other winger. Yeah. Because he, he, well, he, he, he wasn't here for very long. He, no, he came no, he wasn't. In, the, in one January window and then went back to them in the next. <laughs> yeah, he was he was very, he was around for a very short amount of time. I think Peter Crouch, I don't think Peter Crouch will... I mean, he's played in Champions League finals as well, I think. So, you know, he had sort of had the experience... Yeah of that sort of competition already at that time. But I think for iconic moments of being yeah. crouched, that would definitely be up there. Like um the, the, the image of him like pointing up to the Spurs fans is like that's for me is the iconic Peter Crouch image. Yeah. And you know he gave some, you know, historical Italian defenders a, a lot of grief in that game and he scored the winner. So I, I think <laughs> you know, yeah, he deserves his flowers. Man man deserves his flowers for sure. Yeah, Lennon was this. Yeah, is this his peak? Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think yeah. I mean, Lennon is a bit you know, had a lot more longevity than a number of those other other players, which is you know credit to him in terms of like a a, a game winning contribution. It's definitely up there, isn't it? I mean, he had he had the one. Because he didn't Chelsea. have many like direct ones like that. Yeah, he didn't have many. But he yes, Chelsea, yeah, Chelsea, Chelsea, yeah. Didn't yeah. He? 
which was which was a good one. Mm. He scored against Arsenal a few years later as well. Um, yeah, like, yes, I, he I did. Think, oh, I remember that now. Yeah, yeah. I, I, Aaron, Aaron had he, he had games where you know he, he reminded everyone of his talent pretty regularly. I'd imagine, even if his game was quite um, basic, you know, down to the byline. Mm. Bit, but you could always see, you know, his his physical attributes and his and his and his crossing ability. In, in most games, really, you know, you associate with just the buzz around White Hart Lane, you know, whenever he got the ball out wide, it was like, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, everyone gets off their seats, you know. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm sure he was the first player I had on the back of my shirt, yeah. Oh, really? Oh, okay, mm. I'm trying to remember which one, number 25 be. in the 06 or 07 season, our first Puma kits. Oh, that's a pretty good one, that's a pretty good one. The Puma were terrible, make that, yeah. yeah Badge, the badges kept peeling off and stuff. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I think I got one of the Thomas Cook ones as, as like a first kit, way way back. But I got like petrol. You mean Thompson? Trying to, yeah, Thompson. Sorry. Yeah, but I, got, I got some sort of oil <laughs> on it, like trying to retrieve a football from underneath oh, the dear. car. And obviously, you know, Spurs is an all-white design, and getting something like that on it, Mum wasn't happy. Um, but yeah, I don't think I had any Spurs names on the back of my shirts. Really? Not that that really means anything. No. Hmm. I was, I was hmm. a very self-centered individual. You're a bit loser, but... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One, Summerfield. <laughs> it was. It was that. And then, like, I, I wasn't asking my parents to put those names on the back of the shirts. You know, I feel like an idiot. Walking around with that sort of stuff. <laughs> you know, back in the day, it used to be that you get to... Used so like the longer name, like it was just way more expensive than someone who had like if you had like young Pierre Lee, that's great. Yeah. You're saving loads of money. Yeah, that's kind so, of makes it a bit weird. Stranger, it all works. Oh well, yeah. Yeah. All right. Who, who, who are the real stinkers from Milan for you? Because no one really impressed me at all. Um. I, I mean, the goalkeepers, neither of them looked comfortable at all throughout the game. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't think they'll go down in history particularly well. Um, I mean, they're, they're this didn't feel bits. like this was peak Ibrahimovic. No, it was it, No, it wasn't. Like, Pete Ibrahimovic is a weird one because you just sort of associate him with almost doing well at every club that he's been at. But like, there's a reason why he jumped between clubs so frequently as well. You know, <laughs> you know, he'd have these little spells where he wasn't very good and he wasn't very influential. Um, and I, I think for like, yeah, a player like Ibrahimovic in the Champions League last sixteen to really have such a minimal effect on the tie, I think that's quite poor, really. Um, especially yeah. against, yeah, I, I suppose we brought up like the unknown quantity that Spurs were back in back in the day, but I, I don't really think there's any excuse for sort of a, a player that prestige not to have a bigger say over 180 minutes in the tie. Yeah. You know, I genuinely think it's quite yeah poor from him looking back on it. But um, yeah, he'd probably be the one stinker. I mean, like, Rubinho's a bit of a wrong in these days anyway, so I sort of looked at him and thought, you know, mm. you're not playing very well. I think you're a dickhead anyway. Yeah, he was very crap in this game, yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to spend too much time thinking about that. Like, um, Thiago Silva in midfield is pretty 
is pretty wild, but like Eric Dyer did it back. It's pretty rogue. I remember looking at the team <laughs> sheet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was looking at the team sheet. I was like, Chuck Silver's a midfield. Like he wasn't the worst defender, but Jesus Christ, no, he wasn't. It did help. Like the yeah, like the two guys next to him, Gattuso and Flamini, were crap. Mm. Um, Flamini was always like that kind of job midfielder anyway, and then yeah. Gattuso just. Just really funny when you consider like our modern, um, uh, what am I looking for? Kind of interaction with Gattuso, and that he came close to getting the Spurs job in twenty twenty one, and the fans, like this, point like the most effect a fans has ever had on a big decision like that. Kind of told the club, no, you can't hire this guy, not him. And it could be, it could be, it could be Nuno, but it can't be Gattuso. It can't be Gattuso. No, it cannot. Um, I just want to check something before I say the next thing. He must really hate Spurs. Um, yeah, yeah. Joe Jordan would be rolling <laughs> in his grave if um, if General Catuso got the Spurs job. So that's that's a good thing. I just wanted to make sure that Joe Jordan wasn't dead before I said that, but he's alive from why from what I see. So <laughs> I was going to say, so I was going to say, yeah. I don't, I don't, yeah. I, don't, I was like, not dead, is he? <laughs> he's not dead. No, he's not dead. But if I had said that and he was dead, then that would have been horrible. The... bit out of taste you know <laughs> how dare you <laughs> always dragging this pit uh, this I think, okay this pit I think we're near into yeah <laughs> well yeah um, I think we're nearly nearing the end of this little review um, but do you I think just to kind of bring it back into the Monday a little bit we're not expecting huge things from Spurs now for the rest of the season I think now that Bentico's injured, it doesn't. I don't think Conte is going to stay for that. The end of the season might be the longest he'll stay. Um, do you think the team that that played Milan in twenty eleven would beat whatever team Conte would put out tomorrow? Um, oh, they're both pretty depleted, aren't they? Um... Yeah, I thought, I'm just I'm just thinking about the skip and saw element to this, and the fact that we've just been really crap apart from that city game. The skip and saw element, and the idea of the ten eleven team just pumping crosses into Peter Crouch all day long is quite <laughs> as well. Because <laughs> uh, um, Le- can you imagine Lennon skipping past Perisic? Yeah, that's that's you, you know yeah, it's weird. It does sort of seem like we've gone backwards over the years, doesn't it? Um, yeah, I mean, having looked at the defending and Spurs loss at Leicester, he's got he, he's every week. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't think um, our, our our Monday defense would would cope with the likes of Lennon and Crouch very well, which seems quite depressing to say out loud, but. Yeah, <laughs> I I reckon the 2010 mm. 11 boys would, would probably win, especially if they have Modric coming off the bench just to see it out. It's actually insane minutes. to think about that, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we've got no midfielders to bring off the bench. <laughs> uh, we've got a child from the academy, and that's as good as it's going to get, unfortunately. <laughs> Eric Dyer has moved oh, into central yeah. midfield. Good lord. Might be better than central defence right now, to be fair. Yeah, probably. probably. Um, I okay. don't know. Yeah, what do you think? Like, 
do you, do you reckon our boys have got them, or I, I, I'm not backing them whatsoever against the other? Uh, yeah, it's it's just so it's it's. I think it's quite close. I think the the, the other element is that one team has Kane and one doesn't. Um, you don't really, you don't really know what version of Son you're going to get because he's been out of form for a, for a couple of weeks. Um, God knows what Pedro Porro is going to be like in the future, but. Um, is this is why I didn't want to talk about modern Spurs? You see, I don't know why yeah, I put this in running yeah. order. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> so yeah, you should feel ashamed, Jude. Okay, <laughs> I think I I think I'm done talking about Spurs past and present for one day. Yeah, that sounds good. That sounds good. The Spurs out for today. Anyway, it's a good place to sign off. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, hopefully this is a nice little thing that people can revisit when we've smashed up Milan again. But <laughs> I'm not holding my breath. Yes, fingers crossed. So, cool. Okay. Yes. Thank you for listening, everyone. Uh, if you haven't liked and subscribed, please do. It really helps us a lot. And we will catch you on the other side. And hopefully, we beat Milan. <laughs> Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.